0: You are now listening to the Breakthrough Basketball Coaching Lab podcast. Here's your host, Jim Huber.
1: Welcome to Breakthrough Basketball's Coaching Lab, where we will dive deep into topics that will help you be successful on and off the basketball court. This is your host, Jim Huber. This is episode number five, where we're going to be discussing how to coach and navigate your child through youth basketball. And I'm excited today to have on Carl Scales as our guest. Carl has been a high school coach for girls and boys teams and has coached AU travel basketball for 15 years. Carl, it's great
0: to have you on the coaching lab. Great to be here, Jim. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you.
1: And I, and I really want to preface this by, I met you in Minneapolis, right? I was yeah. leading a camp yeah. and, um, you're assisting the camp, yeah. right? We're in uh, Maple Grove, right? That's right. And, That's right. um, I got done with the camp and always kind of when you I communicate with Dustin Pearson is our, he's the president of the kind of basketball operations. And I communicated about the assistant coach. And I said, there's this individual, his name was Carl, Carl scales. And I was like, he's really good. I said, I was impressed by how his demeanor is with the kids and he instructs well, and he's got good rapport with them. And I said, you know, I had a son come and I thought his son was a great listener and a great leader. And, uh, so I was impressed by that, and then through that impression, uh, you got to start uh, helping out more, and now you're a head clinician and doing a great job and getting great reviews from the camps you're doing, so uh, I'm excited to have you on today.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that. Um, by the time I met you, Jim, uh, I had been doing breakthrough camps for about, I don't know, two years. Um, I have been coaching high school basketball, as you mentioned, and uh, had an opportunity to uh, um, bring my young boys to the club, to to your a couple of the breakthrough camps, and um, just really love the uh, content and the way that you guys delivered the the instruction. And I just really love being a part of that and having my boys be a part of that as well.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So something that we really kind of want to get into is, um, you know, the biggest thing for me today is is like how to help coaches out there that coach their children. Because there's, there's a lot of individuals that are, you know, pretty much a lot of teams are coached by a mother or father. Hmm. And so diving in that, I, I want to ask you, like, first, like, when you started that journey of coaching your children, um, what was kind of your approach with that within the team basketball aspect of it, um, of how you approached it to have it to be a good experience for your son, sons, I should say, and the other children involved?
0: Yeah. Great question. You know, I'll, I'll admit, you know, I'm a, I'm an imperfect dad uh, and certainly an imperfect coach. And I've tried to learn a lot of
1: these podcasts because I thought
0: you are perfect. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want to set that expectation at all. I think uh, the number one thing is uh, you know, team first. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that, and you know, having, having coached a long time and you know, being in, travel tournaments and AAU tournaments, watching uh, in different capacities, you know, just, uh, you know, we've hosted traveling tournaments as a high school program and, and seeing parents coach their kids and, and, and listening to some of the conversations that you hear along the way. You know, the number one thing I didn't want to do or be that was the parent who let their kid just get away with anything. You know, a kid got all the shots and, you know, the kids, the the other uh, kids on the team were held to a different standard. Uh, whereas our own kid could kind of get away with, you know, with anything. And I didn't want to be that kind of parent on the other end of that spectrum, uh, was, uh, you know, being super hard on your kid, you know, and I, I, I probably, um, you know, if you kind of think about that continuum, letting them get away with everything and anything and, you know, Mm -hmm. being overly hard, I probably was on the, being a little bit harder on my kid than, than the others, my kids. And, you know, that, um, both ends of that spectrum uh, are fraught with, you know, with, uh, pitfalls, but, um, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't on that, let my kid get away with everything spectrum. And that is Um, when you say that, then like, how, how did you, how did you balance that out? Yeah, it, it, it came over time. And what I wanted to say at the very onset, and I, I may have uh, jumped ahead a little bit too far, but, you know, team first, team first, team first has always been my mantra. And uh, so, um, you know, my mindset was never let, you know, the love that I have for my sons to come in between that, between me and the team. The team was always first. and Making sure that the boys knew that, um, that I was probably going to be a little harder on them than the others. But that was because, you know, um, there was that perception that, Mm -hmm. you know, kids can get away with a coach's kids can get away with everything, blah, blah, blah. So they knew that going in. um, But just making sure that, uh, you know, the team came first. And then you ask a question about balance. Um, You know, I always had another parent in the gym uh, with me. Uh, as I was coaching uh, traveling basketball, and I would always lean on their perspective. You know, how am I doing? I would say after every practice, how did you, you know, what did you see? Anything that you think that I may have, you know, wavered too far into any aspect of the uh, spectrum, um, you know, give me some feedback. Number two thing that I did, Jim, was, you know, um, kind of employing the help of parents. Now, You know, you have to be very careful navigating those waters, uh, but finding two parents, one or two parents that you can trust and who you you know, you have a relationship with that can give you some honest, uh, objective feedback about how you're doing. Now, the the advantage of that is uh, not only do you have someone on your coaching staff, but someone in the stands. The disadvantage is, by and large, those parents aren't in practice. Yeah. So, you know, they kind of get... Uh, a partial look but a look that's important nonetheless and so uh, just trying to find that balance finding those parents and other coaches who uh, can give you that honest feedback and kind of hold your feet to the fire hold you accountable um, uh, I thought was really important to have and I've done that every year I think like you I think that's great to like you talk about having
1: self-evaluation and having like you're talking about from a coaching perspective, somebody I mean, coaching with you from a parent in stands. I think the thing that coaches got to, I guess you got to filter through is maybe sometimes you might have a parent giving you some feedback and their child's playing. And maybe there's mm-hmm. something in the game that happened that they're not satisfied, mm-hmm. you know, that took place for their own particular child. So they could be get emotional coming from a certain perspective mm-hmm. that could be jaded. So I think it's like taking that information into me, like you said, and, and really thinking, okay, what are they saying that is valid that I can, like say, get better and make improvements on that? And the other thing I would – so when you did that then to me is – because I was coached by my dad throughout the years. And, and it was challenging at times. I mean, I, it's like trying to feel like you got to be better than other kids on the team, right, because your dad's coaching. And if you're playing or starting or playing a certain position. But the other thing is you feel like that the expectation your dad has on you, you got to yeah. perform. So to me is, when you said that you talked to your children about, hey, listen, I'm going to be a little more challenging on you, Mm -hmm. like, what was that conversation like you had in the home to prepare them for how you're going to coach them?
0: Yeah, great question. You know, I think uh, I I can say without question, Jim, that I am very fortunate to have wonderful relationships with both of my boys, you know, and they, uh, I never picked basketball for them. Uh, you know, we put them in gymnastics and baseball and, and and football and all those other sports. And so over the course of time, um, you know, they just kind of, uh, you know, being a, a basketball coach, they just were around me all the time and they saw me and interact with kids in practice when they were, you know, four and five years old. So we've been a basketball family Uh, It just kind of morphed into that was never uh, an instance where we forced them into a sport. Um, The other part of the uh, equation that I think is important is their mom is a teacher. Uh, And so they they get, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room in our family with, uh, you know, dad being a coach and mom being a teacher. But, um, you know, they have understood from a very early uh, age or ages for both of them that, you know, we have high expectations for them. Um, that, uh, you know, we want them to do well in the classroom, on the court and in our community. And so, you know, it wasn't a matter of a particular conversation. It's more of a matter of a longitudinal, uh, conver- or set of conversations that you have with your kids. And so, um, it was easier for me to have conversations with them specific to me coaching them in basketball. Um, but, uh, because we have raised two boys that we want to be leaders in those different arenas, uh, being able to say, Hey, I'm going to be a little bit harder on you. Uh, I might pick on you just to set an example, but I'll let you know. And, and then I think the both the biggest separator, uh, Jim is I might not like what you do, but I always like you. I might not love the way that you you know, performed, but I always love you. And so having that uh, undergirding of a foundation was really, really important. And then there were times, as, particularly as, as uh, our boys got a little older and I might have ramped up the intensity, you know, bookending that. In other words, we, you know, we told them at the onset, we love you, like you, no matter what you do, the events happen. And then at the end, when I've gotten on Caden and Kenji, Maybe a little bit too hard, you know. I repeat that. You know, I might have dropped the ball here. It might have been a little bit too hard. But remember, I love you, and uh, you know, like what you're doing out there. So, just trying to uh, sandwich approach where it's good at the beginning, have that middle, and then good at the end as well. But it's almost too given that unconditional love, and as that you means. mentioned, even
1: I have a six and three year old. Mm-hmm. When sometimes I get up frustrated and upset at some of the things they maybe do. Mm -hmm. And I lose myself a little bit, just like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, getting loud your voice with them, or you might say something and, Mm -hmm. and I'll come back to them and be like, you know, I I apologize. Yeah, I talked to you how you need to control your emotions, you need to think different thoughts to make you feel better, so you act better. Mm -hmm. And I talked to you about that. Well, daddy, maybe didn't do that. Right. So I, I need to understand is I, I apologize to you. Hopefully you can forgive me because I want to work on that. And we can work on it together. Yeah. So it's almost because you're like you said, we're not perfect. We're going to do things that maybe aren't always right. Maybe in some ways are the best way of doing it. But if you can be humble enough to admit that you're wrong and I think do that with your
0: children, mm-hmm. I think that can also develop a better rapport as well. Absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of interesting. You know, we often as coaches talk to our teams about, uh, you know, uh, recognizing your mistakes, acknowledging them, learning from them and moving on. And we hold that mantra true in our own home. Um, And then, you know, the other thing I want to kind of stitch together here was something we started talking about at the beginning, Jim, when we talked about having the parents and, you know, at least one parent in the gym with me during practice getting feedback um, from a couple of trusted parents uh, in the stands. The other is, you know, if you have the uh, coaches have the resource of being able to film games, um, that can give you some valuable uh, insight as well. You know, we, we have that instant recall of what's happening right now. Being able to have the luxury of looking back at film uh, can give us uh, feedback as well. You know, what was I thinking in that moment was the situation you know was i too hard on my expectations for my sons uh, you know was was i out of balance that's a really good element of feedback uh, similarly as the boys have gotten older you know we watch an absurd amount of film in our house uh, and the boys have just come to so, right Uh, Well, it's, you know, the DVR has been the greatest invention in my life to be able to rewind things in real time. But uh, being able to watch film and sitting down with Caden and Kenji and saying, hey, this is what I was seeing and this is why I responded the way that I did. And if if I went beyond the normal, you know, realm of I got a little bit too hot, I was a little bit too angry, I can, hey, I I screwed that one up, boys, and that was my fault. Um, but helping them to understand where I was coming from, because regardless, and you've said this yourself, being the son of a coach, I've never been in that situation, so I don't know how that feels. But in just watching my my boys, um, you know, in those moments where maybe I've explained why I was, you know, maybe I, you know, yelled or or took him out of the game or whatever, mm-hmm. I can still see where you know that didn't really satisfy them. So even though it was Rational, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's good salve for the boys. And so being able to watch film with them, have them tell me what they saw, what they thought, et cetera, et cetera, and me being able to say, "Man, I blew that one, boys. I, you know, I screwed that one up," has has really made a difference in our relationship, not only as coach to son, but just as you know, father, uh father to sons, and and so you know, again having that important feedback, being able to communicate that with the boys and then just being a good person by saying, uh, you know, I'm sorry. And yeah. as my boys have gotten older, uh, they've done a great job of being uh, more and more gracious. Accepting <laughs> that.
1: That's always, that's always good because sometimes yeah. you do things to your kids and you feel like you're less than, you feel like, you know, you're a bad person and you feel just emotionally bad about these certain things. Like you want to be better. And then when they, say, it's okay, dad, you know,
0: I understand, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I've been a couple of times, particularly with my older boy, Caden, where he was like, I get it, I, I would have probably gotten that mad too, and so it does give you a little bit of relief, but as a dad, you know, you want to just, you want to do the best for your kids, and, and I'm sure that the listeners out there have that same mindset, so hopefully this uh, continues to help. Them.
1: What, what do you do, say, um, you know, after, after games, mm-hmm. after practices, and there's emotions that take place, right? Especially a game. You might be playing a game and you get beat, and, and it's uh, maybe a team you should have beaten or a close game. You're frustrated. Um, and maybe, you know, Caden or Kenji did something. Maybe they made some mistakes and play as hard as you want or these type of things, whatever it might be. But now, when you leave the gymnasium, mm-hmm. right, the facility, and you get into the car, yeah. like, what, what do you do? Like, is there a certain pact? Is there a certain haven't you created that you do to make sure that you're still having a good relationship, especially yeah. on that car ride home. So you hear it all the time, like the car ride home with my dad is one of the worst, worst experience I've had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as it relates to performance, um, the rule is we don't talk about the game, but I do hold my boys accountable to behavior. So if they're, you know, if I see them interacting with a referee uh, inappropriately or, you know, uh, with any kind of unsportsmanlike uh, behavior, if I see them, you know, you know, and in, in these are two different avenues that I'm speaking from. Number one, as a parent, when I'm watching my boys play high school basketball, I'm watching their body language, I'm watching their interactions with their coaches their teammates and their officials. And so if I see anything that we've already talked about, you know, maybe they throw the ball, in not in the direction of a referee, or I see them kind of arguing with a ref, or whatever, or they're not all the way in, like they're not in the game. And there's a timeout, and they're disengaged, um, things of that nature. I address that right away in the car on the ride home. But if it's so you about
1: you don't wait until like
0: no. you know you get home and things no. settle down, you yeah. do like nip no. it right
1: there. And they and because they know, you know, so we give just me, give, that me that give me an example. Say like, you know, I'm Caden, mm-hmm. and um, we had a game uh, we got beat and, and say, uh, and I, I had given palms up to the official, rolled the ball away from them. Um, yeah, you know, it kind of just had poor body language. and wasn't playing present. What would you do? Like yeah. we get in the car, you and I
0: together. What yeah. Would place? Yeah. Now, you know, I, I want to be careful about this because you know, there are different, you know, there are different periods of time. So, you know, when they were in the sixth and seventh grade, I spoke to them right away after the game. As soon as I saw them, I was like, you know, you putting your palms up is not going to help you. And I'm just reiterating conversations that we've already had. Mm-hmm. And so I addressed, now this is just me, right? Being a dad from where I'm from, I always address that right away. Now you
1: do the sandwich
0: That's, technique where you like yeah. say, hey, I love you and, you know, for yeah. me, not so much when they were younger, you know. I just let them know right up front that that was not, you know, acceptable. It's not acceptable as a as as a family. It's not acceptable as a coach. Blah blah blah. As they've gotten older, um, and you know, I've come to, you know, maybe be a little bit a more patient. I might not address it like as soon as they got in the car, but as we're driving, you know, I always like to give them a chance to just sit there. You know, we live about like from a high school perspective, we live about a 15-minute drive from the high school. So that first five minutes is usually pretty quiet. Um, You know, again, when they were younger and I saw a behavior that I didn't approve of or it wasn't acceptable for our family, I addressed it maybe as we were walking to the car. Um, But as they've gotten older, I've learned that, you know, they kind of need that decompression time. So in that 15-minute drive, uh, again, if this is related to behavior, if it's a 15, that 15 minute drive, that first five minutes is just decompression time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as they've gotten older, you know, Caden in particular is like, I shouldn't have thrown the ball or I shouldn't have thrown my hands up. And he'll bring that up because he knows that it's coming. And so (laughs) he gets to control the, the, the narrative or that part of it. Um, And so that's just been my approach, Jim, is just, uh, if it's about performance, you know, they didn't shoot well. They had turnovers or whatever. We don't even talk about that until, you know, after they've had a chance to eat. Maybe we're watching film and we talk about it. But as a general rule, uh, the only thing I talk to the boys about in the car is is behavior and attitude.
1: So do you, do you get, you know, you hear some people be like, well, we'll be in the car. We'll ask them kind of like questions that relate to, hey, did you enjoy yourself today? What did you enjoy about it? Like asking questions to get them to kind of like bring up their thoughts about the game? Or did you just kind of like go into maybe just different subjects, like talk about something outside of basketball, just getting in a general conversation?
0: Yeah, when they were younger, Jim, and uh, let me preface for the audience. I know you and I had talked about their ages. My oldest son is 17 and is a junior. Uh, my youngest is, a is will be 16 here in another month or two, and he's a ninth grader. Um, so when they were in middle school, uh, elementary school, you know, fifth and sixth grade, and then in the middle school, um, you know, I, I didn't really talk about much at all on the drive. I guess that's what we're still talking about on the drive. Um, it was just kind of quiet and you know, depending on whether it was a closed game or a blowout, you know, um, I might ask them, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, You know, what did you think about the game? And really uh, letting them talk to me, you know, I rarely gave them any immediate feedback. Uh, Particularly as they got older, they would say, well, what what did you think about the game, dad? And so that was my, um, you know, cue to give them some feedback. So um and again early on i kind of modeled that okay i'm gonna, i'll ask you about the game so whenever you you want to hear what i thought let me know um and then we would just kind of go on and maybe we're grabbing a bite to eat and then they might at that point say well dad what did you think about the game um and so that has kind of been our pattern uh, as as they've gotten older but again in that drive home i might say something when they were younger hey you know good game tough game look like you, you know, busted your, you're busted your butt. You did the best you could do. Mm -hmm. And that was about it. Just kind of giving them that encouragement. You
1: you talk about like watching film at home. Mm -hmm. How does that take place? Is that something that you're like, Hey, Kate and Kenji, if you want to watch film or, you know, I'm here for you, if there's Mm -hmm. time you want to kind of like look at the game and Mm -hmm. discuss it together, what do you do? Do you bring it to them? Do you tell them to bring it to you? How does that work?
0: Yeah, again, they've just been so used to watching film. Uh, you know, many times they'll just watch it on their own. Uh, you know, there were, have been times, uh, particularly when they were in middle school, you know, I, we had, a you know, a team document and it was just uh, pretty simple, uh, divided in, you know, lengthwise and widthwise. So it just had four quadrants and basically it would say, you know, what did the, the team do well in the upper left-hand corner? upper right-hand corner, you know, what does the team need to, you know, what did you see that needs to be improved? And then the bottom half is individual. What did you do well? And what did you, you know, uh, see that you need to improve on? And so, you know, we've got that everywhere. Every computer in the house somewhere is that there's there's a blank sheet. Sometimes they'll just grab a, a white piece of paper and do it themselves. So they've kind of been trained to do that. That's what we've always done with our teams and so it was an easy transition to say, hey, grab a, uh, you know, a film review sheet and, you know, knock it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it ha- has been as simple as them doing it on their own or me saying, hey, do you want to watch it together? Or Have you watched it yet? Um, or if it's a, a game where I really feel like if I don't say anything, they may or may not watch this game, but I really want them to then I'll say something like, hey, I'm going to watch the game film from this afternoon. Um, Maybe you can do the same thing and we can compare notes. And that really uh, worked well, uh, you know, as they got, you know, particularly my older son when he got out of middle school, got into high school. Their games were on huddle, so it was easier for us to watch that kind of thing. Now,
1: if they they came to you and said, "Uh, no, I don't really want to watch that. I don't want to watch the film. Then what would you do at that point? You know,
0: there have been times where That's I've said, oh, okay. I've said, okay. And then there are other times where I might say something like, you may want to rethink that. And so, uh, generally you might when not, I,
1: you might not eat dinner for the next
0: night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, you it, might it's not
1: be able to drive your car.
0: <laughs> no, it, it, we, you know, it's kind of like speaking of eating, you know, my grandmother never forced me to eat anything. And there was liver and oh gosh, liver and, and onions. And oh, I hated yeah. that.
1: I used to have a dog, never, liver and onions, man. We had a yeah. dog, and I'd be at the, We could not leave the dinner table, and we had a dog yeah. named Buffy. And I'd sit there, and mm. I would just like keep putting the you know yeah. liver yeah. down the table. It might take me an hour
0: before that plate yeah. was
1: complete.
0: Yeah, oh, liver onions. Yeah. Well, conceptually, you know, my grandmother never made, never forced me to eat anything, and and as, as parents, uh, my wife and I, we've never forced the boys to do anything because we know that resentment. often follows that. And so, you know, the, I just try to influence them. You may, you may want to rethink that. Mm -hmm. And that's my key or my cue to them that, yeah, this is something I probably need to do. And so, you know, that's just been our approach uh, as it relates to, to game film. Well, Um,
1: I want to, I want to go back to something that I've noticed like even I haven't seen Caden that much, but you know, by having a little experience I did with him, you know, he, was, he was a pretty skilled basketball player at a young age, and he was there. Um, so I know that he's just not playing team basketball, rolling the ball out and playing. I mean, he's doing individual skill work. So you coach the team. Now you know, and we both know, for individuals to advance in this game, they got to become skilled. And skill happens in individual type workouts. Mm-hmm. So what did you do with your children in regards to like basketball workouts? Did you create them on your own? Did you send them to someone that worked them out? Mm -hmm. Um, What was that like and how did you develop it to get them to where they were doing skill work, you know, on a weekly basis
0: so many times, you know, a week? Yeah. You know, uh, having the luxury of coaching a high school program or being a part of a high school uh, coaching staff, Saturday mornings were always the greatest times Um, because uh, from a high school perspective, you know, it's after a a, a Friday night game. So usually Friday practices were, or excuse me, Saturday practices were, you know, getting up, getting the boys back in the gym, getting some shots up and working on their skills. So I would make it uh, with my boys like a treat. Hey, you get to work out with the varsity dudes on Saturday. And so from the time that they were, you know, in third and fourth grade, Saturday workouts that they were, they were just, that was fun for them and they got to hang out with those older kids. And so, you know, we would bring them in and, and, uh, have them off to the side and, you know, they would generally go through a very similar workout, uh, that the boys were doing trying to mimic the things that the the team was doing. And so that just became part of their DNA that, Hey, Saturday workouts are just what we do. And so if, uh, when we, when they got a little bit older, uh, you know, they got into fourth and fifth grade, fifth and sixth grade. It was almost like, uh, hey, we're going to do a Saturday workout, but it'll be on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to do a Saturday workout yeah. on a Monday. And so, you know, we would have, you know, uh, we'd have a ball handling day and we, we'd get it to about three days a week where we'd have a ball handling day. A and when they're young, right? They're like yep. maybe, what, yep. third, fourth grade, fifth, fourth, so fifth like grade. Yep, yep. So we would have, like I said, a ball handling day where we'd just primarily focus on ball handling, but we'd get some shots up. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have a, a finishing day that would include some ball handling, a little bit of perimeter shooting. And then we'd have a shooting day. So each one of those three days had an emphasis. They would do all three of those things, ball handling, shooting, finishing, but one would just have more of an emphasis on the other. Uh, you know, it was always time specific. We're going to work out for one hour or we're going to work out for 30 minutes or whatever the time element was. So they knew going in exactly how long uh, it would take. And I would tell you that nine times out of 10, even though we were, might've been there for 90 minutes, that a segment. They wanted more yeah. because they knew that it was their intent, uh, their attention. It was fun. It was, they had each other where it could be competitive You know, a lot of times they play one-on-one. They could, you know, pass it to me as a reset and I'd pass it back Mm -hmm. or whatever. So it was just making sure that we had a purpose, we had a time element, and that we made it fun. uh, And going back to that, like making it fun, I
1: think that's so important for kids at a young age because they're not having fun. They don't want to do it. Right. right? So it sounds like you bounce out. Like I, I taught skills and fundamentals. But I made it fun to where they didn't think they were like this mundane going in doing this fun little stuff all the time. Right. What are other ways you made it fun besides, uh, you know, playing one on one where they can throw it back to you?
0: Yeah, making a game out of it. You know, so if they're, you know, doing a ball handling drill, you know, maybe it's stationary pound between the leg, for example. And we'd say, well, let's try to do that five times, you know, consecutively. And if they messed up, I would jump in and I would try to do it five times and I would mess up and kind of laugh it off just so that they could understand that this is, number one, it's okay to make a mistake. Number two, you know, it's it's fun. Dad's in here doing it with me. And, you know, number three, uh, there's a goal. They're still trying to reach that goal. And when they reach that goal, boy, we made a, a big production out of that. Now, that was when they were younger. Yeah. You know, as they've gotten older, we've probably gotten away from, you know, the big reward unless it was something really challenging Mm -hmm. Um, but again as they got a little bit older uh, still fun but mm, you know it probably wasn't over the top as we did when when they were younger well you know this is like if
1: you make it fun when they're young Mm -hmm. and only like say you didn't do it seven days a week say it's three days a week right and as they get older and they start to develop a habit of doing this and they find joy in it Mm -hmm. right Yep. and they start seeing success through it, and they get older, and they want to compete at a higher level, they start to do it themselves. Absolutely. It becomes almost a self-motivation. I'm sure you've seen it with yep. Kaden and Kenji doing that type of stuff as well, right? Absolutely.
0: I think the, um, what that lends itself to is you know, if you make it, uh, you know, and I, I've, we've all seen and heard about parents who you know, they're just basically cracking the whip. You just can't do that uh, kids are going to burn out from that. Um, and eventually they won't, they won't do it on their own. Um, I think the other important piece to it is they have to be able to recognize their successes. And sometimes we'll just use a number. Let's say that we wanted to do something, a ball handling drill, for example, we wanted to do it 10 consecutive times and they didn't get it. They didn't make it this time and we run out of time. Hey, you know, the last time we did this, you were only able to do it 4 times. You got it 7 times this time. We didn't make it, but you got it 7 times, which is, you know, you've improved. So next week, we're going to get it or next workout, I know you're going to get it. And so being able to to give them an understanding that I may not have reached the ultimate goal, but I did improve and just making sure that they have that um, that mindset of, I am improving, I am getting better. Cause you know, as well as I do basketball, you're going to have setbacks. You're not always going to meet your goals, but you have to be able to understand that there was incremental pro- progress and be able to emphasize that and encourage that.
1: I think another challenge that coaches face, especially coaching your own children is, um, you know, the, the parents Of the kids that are on that team, sometimes they think that maybe, well, he's doing this for his child and he cares more about his son or daughter than he does our kids. So, my question for you is what do you do? Like, is there something at the beginning that you have, like, an introductory meeting with the parents and you go over stuff with them and you talk about, hey, I'm coaching my son, but just to let you know, here's how this is going to take place. Mm -hmm. And so there's an understanding from the beginning. So, there's kind of that buffer from the start that everybody's on the same page and here's how we're doing this and what's gonna take place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, setting up that setting up those expectations or setting expectations up front is really, really important. Um, you know, every time I've coached a team where Caden or Kenji have been on it, I've gathered the parents and I've said to them, you know, you, you know, I'm I'm harder on my own kids than I am on yours. You know, number one, that's just by virtue of the relationship that we have. Uh, number two, you know, I'm probably not going to go at your kid as hard as I do my own. Uh, and, and, and number three, I kind of say that, you know, if, if, if I set this high expectation for my son, uh, you know, hopefully your kids will kind of follow suit. They'll see, well, Caden yeah. can do it 10 times or Caden or Kenji can do it, you know, seven times or within a particular time frame. I'll shoot for that as well. So just making sure that I set that expectation up front Um, and talking to the team, uh, because, you know, I always have that parent meeting and maybe a team parent meeting and then talking with the team. I'll address very similarly that, you know, don't don't take this personally. If you see me going a little bit harder at Caden, it's just the relationship that we have. Um, You know, it's really interesting, Jim, I'm coaching AAU this even this spring um, you know, I've had instances where uh, you know parents have said, "Well, you know, your Caden's getting off, getting more playing time than some of the other kids." And then I have my, my in laws who see me sit in Caden like, "Wow, Caden sits longer than the other kids." And well, so that's the only thing Kaden's I was going to ask you. I wanted to yeah. ask you because Caden's a good player, and, and
1: I would say on some of the teams he's been on, he's been in the top five, probably on the team. And sometimes he's maybe been the top two or one of the better players. So how do you, how do you handle that to where you know he probably should be playing maybe more, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he needs to be taking certain shots, it comes down to end of game or situation, you know he's your best shooter, best scorer. And how do you go about that and knowing like, okay, I, I know that I should do this because he's earned it, but I'm the dad and here's a perception of what people think. Mm-hmm. And they'd be thinking that I'm favoring my child. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to some coaches that have had kids like that that've been really good, the best player on a team, that have had challenges with uh, the schools or out with the parents. Um, you know, handle that, so that that would be something. How do you go about that?
0: Yeah, that's really tough, Jim. Because you know when you're in the heat of the battle, as you well know, you go with people you trust. You go with the kids that you trust. Uh, you know, the situation will drive it. Do we need a two? Do we need a three? Are we up? You know, are we down? You know, what is it exactly that's happening in the game? And so let me pause there and say, you know, I think it's really, really important that as, and I know most of the coaches are probably doing this, but I just want to uh, say this. I think it bears saying is that, you know, you have to define the role for your team and your individuals, you know, who, who are our shooters, who are our slashers, who are our, post-up guys who are perimeter or three ball shooters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so making sure they all understand what their roles are. And this uh, is more like
1: a, this is like a high school type level. Like if you're with the youth or third grade, fourth grade, yeah, that's tough. you're not so much to find the roles just to help people understand where you're coming from. You're talking yeah. more like your kids are high school age right now.
0: Yeah. Great point. So yeah. Uh, you know, nine, nine through 11 um, in AAU is what I was speaking of in that particular moment, just understanding their roles. You know, when Caden and Kenji were younger, they were in middle school. I honestly, I mean, this probably gets to another point that you might bring up, Jim. We run very few sets. You know, we just run, we just teach them basically oh, positionless it. basketball. And so, it, you know, what that does as it relates to the, you know, conversation about parents is that it's, Hard for them to come back and say, hey, you're running all this stuff for your son, so he gets all the shots. We, you know, in youth basketball, particularly middle school, we're we're just running free motion offense concept-based basketball. And, you know, the advantage of that is kids get a broader array of skills, more opportunities. The drawback is sometimes, you know, you have the wrong guy or not the best guy shooting a last-second shot. It's the guy who's yeah. open rather than the the guy who you really want yeah, to shoot the basketball. And that's a risk uh, or a loss that you have to accept. And that's something that as a coach in youth basketball that I've just accepted because we're trying to get those kids to understand we want the best shooter taking the best shot at the best mm-hmm. time. And sometimes it's, you know, it's just the best shot that we can get at the best time might not be the best guy or, or girl. So, um, youth basketball wise, I've really just tried to leave it open and not focus on one particular player. I, I even think with it, my son. In the high school side, I'll tell coaches a lot of times that, you know,
1: especially if you're coaching your child, is you know you got the gun, you have all these apps that you know can chart stuff, and you know it's kind of like you hear in high school and colleges that you earn a green light to shoot, you know, right. shoot a certain shot. Right. So I think when you can take technology nowadays and you can go, like, hey, listen, you know, my child's you know, he's in here six days a week, seven days, getting this many shots up, this percentage of shooting. And, you know, like a certain child doesn't get in the gym maybe once a week and that's it. You know, it's like life. You earn the right to do certain things. And it's mm-hmm. like my child's going to be held, you know, to the same standards. If he or she doesn't get in the gym and they don't get their shots up and work on, they're not very skilled, then maybe they're a screener. Maybe they're a rebound. Maybe this is a role. Right. But every kid has a chance to earn the type of role they're going to have. Absolutely. You know, and I think yeah. when you can – and not that they're always going to get it, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm telling you, the emotions of parents toward their child is very, very difficult. And that's why sometimes as a coach trying to get kids – I'll tell high school kids, sometimes you have to go coach your parents at home and be like, hey, listen, you know, so-and-so gets most shots – because he or she works this hard at it. And this is a primary sport. I play three sports. I don't work on basketball now season. I don't work on my skills. And this is my role. This is what I'm great at. Mm-hmm. So that way you can kind of coach your your parents at home to let them know. So that way they understand and maybe
0: see it a little bit differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I so. think, uh, you know, one of the great things about, uh, you know, the technology that, that you mentioned is it gives a coach an opportunity to understand, you know, who's, Performing well in what zones or what areas, mm-hmm. depending on the situation, uh, and you know you're able to hopefully, you know, if the situation is such that you need a three-point shot from the right wing or that or the left wing, whatever the case may be, and you've got two guys that can fill those roles on the on the floor, that are not in foul trouble, and you have a set that you can run at that level uh, to give yourself a couple of options. Then you know, kids will kids will understand hey, that was based on the best shooter in those best spots at the time where we needed it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, more often than not, you're right, Jim, uh, the, the kids understand it. Uh, parents may not fully understand it. So hopefully there's a, a line of communication where the, the player can articulate that and maybe talk mom and dad off the ledge a little bit. But you're yeah. very right about that.
1: So now we're going to wrap this up. How we wrap it up, we get into the trifecta. The trifecta is I'm going to ask you three questions. You're just going to okay. answer them best your ability. I know you'll do great. And uh, so we can get some nuggets to our listeners here. So the first one is this. What's a habit in your life that you would tell others if they would implement in their life that would be very rewarding and help them have success? What would that be? One habit. Yeah. And are you talking about parents or players? or you? As an individual, just oh, one good. habit you have in your life that you believe, like, if someone
0: implemented as well, uh, it'd just be so beneficial for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think that, uh, and, and I know you're asking about a habit, but I think that even that's a good habit within itself, like, yeah. And the reason why I say that, Jim, is, you know, I try to remember as I'm coaching kids what it was like uh, to be a player. Um, and and uh, give them the grace and the mercy and the latitude that they need to develop. Similarly, as a parent, uh, you know, uh, trying to keep in mind what it feels like when, as as I'm a parent in the stands, and so as a coach, thinking about myself as a parent in the stands, really trying to extend grace and understanding and compassion. Or when those instances come up where parents are, um, you know, maybe not the happiest yeah. uh, in, in the world. Um, and just really trying to extend that, that, that grace and, and compassion and, and, uh, and understanding, I think, is a great habit for me. So
1: number two is this. What's a book, a mm-hmm. video you've watched, an audio you listen to, something that's made a huge impact in your life that you'd be like, if you had one,
0: one suggest to someone, what would it be? Yeah. My favorite book is, uh, uh, wins, losses, um, uh, life. I think it's wins, losses and life. It's a book by, uh, yeah, wins and by, losses of life. Yeah. And it's a book by Lou Holtz. And, uh, you know, I'm a basketball guy and, and everybody will speak. He, he's an excellent speaker. Yeah. And, and, and I, I never I, read that book. Yeah. That is a wonderful, wonderful book. I read it about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Um, and it really helped me understand, uh, better understand how important it is to, um, number one, establish relationships with your, with your players. Um, and, uh, the other thing that I, one of the other things that I drew from that was he had a three-step process for his teams, all of his football teams. And as you know, he was a well-traveled coach, um, And his first thing was teach him how to play, teach him how to play the game. Um, The number two uh, approach was teach him how to compete. Mm -hmm. And then the the last uh, in that process was teach him how to win. And so I thought that from a basketball perspective, you know, we see as coaches, we see guys that want and girls that want to play all the time. One big differentiator is can they move to that next level of competing? Um, and then competing puts them into that situation, which is, leads them to that next step, which is put them in a, a, a circumstance where they can be be winners and be successful. I have to get that. I haven't read that book. I've heard it speak, yeah. but I haven't when got it. came out. It's, it's an older book. It's been around for a long time. I, I have an extra copy. I can always send it to you. I have, to to have that. that. You ought to see you
1: up in Minneapolis. I have to get that. And then... The third one is this is, and I know you said love that neighbor as I self, but what is another say a mentor, a coach or somebody that helped you throughout your life gave you like a, a quote, a message mm. that's like ingrained in you mm. that you carry out each and every day.
0: What is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was a big Dean Smith fan. I, I, I wear my Carolina gear, well, gear instinct. Um, uh, from, you know, living in North my Carolina Duke stuff on real quick. Hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get that after we end the podcast. But uh, yeah, Dean Smith uh, was a big influence. Uh, but I think as a coach, uh, Roy Williams has been a guy that I've tried to see every single time that I have had an opportunity. I've traveled to North Carolina uh, to go to his coach's clinic um, numerous times. I've seen him in a, at the Dells in Wisconsin. I saw him in Las Vegas, blah, 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 a couple of Nike clinics. Um, and I think that, uh, I love his coaching style. I love his coaching, <clears throat> excuse me, approach. But one of the things that, uh, a quote uh, that he had, uh, that I really try to honor every single time that I work, I, that I walk out into a basketball court with kids, whether I'm working them out in a breakthrough camp, whether I'm working with them in an AAU setting, whether I've worked with them in a high school setting and even my own individual uh, journey as a father. Uh, And that quote is, you prepare the child uh, for the path. You don't prepare the path for the child. And I really believe in that. uh, And I hold that true that sometimes, you know, we just have to let our kids go through it. Sometimes uh, on a basketball court, you know, the kids are just, they're not playing well. They're not uh, focused. They're not, you know, given that level of energy and, and attitude that you want to see. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just have to let them go through it. Um, you know, eventually you'll call a timeout and get them, you know, get their path or their, get them righted, get the ship righted. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to let kids go through it and you have to let them get through it. And so, um, you know, I, I've had a personal experience just recently with Caden and Kenji uh, you know, they were in an accident, uh, fortunately no injuries and, uh, no other, it was just a one car accident. And, uh, their mom was like, I should have, I, you know, I should have just taken them to school myself. I shouldn't have let them drive. And immediately my thought was, no, they needed to drive on their own. And this was a tough lesson for them. Mm-hmm. But if you had prepared the path for the kid they never would have learned the lesson of, you know, staying alert, paying attention, et cetera. Et cetera. So again, we prepare our children, we prepare the players, we prepare teams uh, for the path. We don't prepare the path.
1: I love that. I love that. that uh, and I'll say this: like I know that, and I appreciate you being a part of Breakthrough Basketball, the family that we have, and and I know when you're running camps, like just being around you, I know when you walk into the gym. You, you have, you know, Caden and Kenji is your biological children. But when you walk into a gym, you treat, you can tell just how I see you coaching Iraq, you treat every kid like it's your own child. That is your child. And working on giving them that great experience at a basketball camp. And uh, we appreciate that and having you be a part of it.
0: Well, I absolutely uh, love being a part of the organization, Jim. You guys have given me an opportunity to further my passion and uh, you know what I didn't say at the onset was um, I haven't coaching. I was coaching high school basketball, and my boys were getting to a certain age, and I wanted them to hear a different voice. And I heard about Breakthrough Basketball, went to a camp in Maple Grove when they were in the fifth and third grade. I kind of lied on the application, said Kenzie was a fourth <laughs> grader, but at any rate, know. they didn't know. Um, they went, didn't know. Yeah, they, they came um, in, and they were like, "These are sixth, seventh graders." Yeah, yeah. Sent them to the Breakthrough camp. And uh, I fell in love with it right away, and I knew that every time I sent my kids to a breakthrough camp that they would be uh, treated well, they would be uh, exposed to top-notch teaching and instruction. And now I have the great fortune of being part of that process. And every kid that comes into our camp, I just try to make sure that they know I'm there to help them and that we're going to honor that trust that parents uh, extend to us. Uh, to take care of their kids and give them the best effort in uh, uh training instruction in the camps.
1: Well, thank you for that. And then listeners, like we'd really appreciate if you you know pass this on to anyone you feel like that it can help. And if you can, you know uh, you know, like it, uh, you know, share it out. It's just uh, it's, it'd be great and a benefit for us as well. Um, and like I said, if you also have like an aha moment or something you feel like you picked out of this, you got right in the comment section. We'd love to interact with you. But so we appreciate you listening. And uh, Carl, Coach Carl, we appreciate you being on and giving us this valuable information, okay? Thank you, Jim. Appreciate the opportunity. Take care and have a blessed day, buddy. Take care, everybody. Right.
0: Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Basketball Coaching Lab with Jim Huber. Visit us at www.BreakthroughBasketball.com for world-class resources for players and coaches of all skill levels.